Welcome to the One in Five of Us Changing the Mental Health Landscape podcast. We are working to stop the stigma and start the conversation about mental health. One in five people will experience a mental health condition, but it takes on average eight to 10 years for someone to seek treatment. Hi, I'm Nancy Miller, the founder and executive director of One in Five, and I'm thrilled to host this podcast to help educate our community around mental health and wellness and to empower you to start the conversation. And I'm Kayla Wood, the social media specialist at One in Five. Together, we can stop the stigma and start the conversation. You belong here. We belong together. So, Meriden McGraw is a mindfulness facilitator, mental well being, and resiliency coach, and mental health advocate. Meriden, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yeah. Can you, uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you ended up working in the mindfulness and mental health field? Sure. So I, my undergrads in psychology, I went to Miami and then I moved back to Columbus um, and I was uh, about to start a PhD program in clinical psych. So I was working in the psychiatric unit at Ohio State. And I got in a bad car accident. So I got hit by a car on my bike and I was in a wheelchair for three months. So I couldn't do any of the things that I was accustomed to doing to release stress. So physical activity used to be my main source of stress relief or what I used as my outlet for stress and obviously couldn't do that and was feeling pretty down at the time. And I stumbled upon a John Kabat-Zinn CD because we used CD-ROMs back then and got hooked on mindfulness and started to just really evaluate what we were doing with our patients in the psych unit and how we were treating them. And I started to question really the trajectory of my career and what I was doing. So I ended up not doing the PhD program and actually got a master's in public health instead with the intention of looking at mental health from a public health perspective. And then did a number of trainings in mindfulness. I got a positive psychology certificate, grad certificate, did a lot of trainings in yoga, pranayama, which are breath techniques. And then finally did the whole three-year mindfulness-based stress reduction training through UMass. So today I work with individuals and organizations to help them learn these techniques. And I think they're beneficial for all of us to not only help with stress, but improve our overall well-being. So mindfulness has become a big buzzword and has turned into a multi-million dollar industry. But mindfulness and self-care has been around forever. While some people might think it's just this new trend in physical fitness, we know how powerful it can be to improve your mental wellness. Can you just shed some light on what mindfulness really is and the power behind it? Yeah, so it is this ancient technique, and it did originate from the Buddhist tradition and religion. The way it's taught in the Western world is without religion, so it can be taught to everyone, regardless of your belief system. But it is an ancient technique, and so none of us that are teaching it now can claim it as our own. Everyone puts their own spin on it, of course. But the definition that I like to use is from John Kabat-Zinn, and he is one of the individuals who really introduced these techniques to the West, to the United States in the 70s. And his definition is, and I'm I'm not going to say it word for word, but I'm going to get close. But he defines mindfulness as setting the intention to pay attention in the present moment with a non-judgmental attitude. So it's setting the intention to pay attention to whatever is happening in the present moment with non-judgment. 
And that non-judgment aspect is often the hardest for us as humans because we're constantly judging whatever's happening around us. So if we get in a traffic jam, automatically we're angry, we're annoyed, the traffic's bad, oh gosh, right? We're judging that experience and mindfulness helps us just be, okay, we're here in the present moment, I'm stuck in a traffic jam, I notice how I feel, I notice I'm gripping the steering wheel, now let me take a deep breath and what can I do to reevaluate the situation? So it really helps us create space from the physical sensations, emotional sensations and thoughts that are happening in any given moment. It also helps us decrease anxiety because it takes us out of the future worrying mind and brings us back into the present. And I, and I will say, we, it's an ancient technique. It's gaining traction in the West now for a number of reasons. One, because I think we need it more than ever, but two, there's emerging scientific research to support this technique. So that's what's really exciting is we previously were able to say, yes, it works because we can feel it, right? If we practice, we know, we feel it, we experience. And now we actually know from brain science, brain scans, numerous scientific research studies that have been done that mindfulness can impact us in a number of ways. It can help our immune functioning, our overall health, our mental well-being. It can decrease symptoms of anxiety, depression, et cetera. So we now have all this science and it's constantly emerging, but we have the science to support these techniques and how they work. With mindfulness being kind of like a new and emerging trend, I guess, in the West, what are a few good places to start if you're just beginning a mindfulness journey? For research, I love Greater Good Science Center. And they actually have a part of their website. It's called Greater Good Science Center in Action. And you can type in different characteristics or attributes that you want to improve. So you might say, I want to be more empathetic. And they'll give you actually scientific proven techniques to increase that characteristic. So you might say, I want to be more mindful. And they'll give you different techniques you can do. That's a great place to start. Mindful.org is another great online resource. I also recommend starting with Insight Timer, or you can also try Headspace or Calm. Um, Headspace is an Aussie accent, so if you like an Australian accent, I recommend that. I do think there's a small cost for Headspace. I haven't looked into it in a little while. There is a, is a cost for Calm unless you're an educator, and I think right now because of COVID, they're also providing it to students and nonprofits for a discount or reduced rate. Um, But those are some great starting points. I also, if you don't want to do any of those things and you want to start on your own, I also recommend just starting with 60 seconds at home and focusing on one thing for 60 seconds. It doesn't matter what that thing is. It can be the breath. It can be brushing your teeth. But focusing on one thing completely and then noticing the mind wanders and come back. And that's a mindfulness exercise you can start anywhere, anytime. So focus on one thing. Notice the mind is wandering. Don't judge it. It's human that the mind wanders. It will always wander. And then come back to whatever you're focusing on. So if you do nothing else, if you don't want to look online, you don't want to try apps, that's a very simple way to start at home. So we do a lot of work out in schools and we do a, we have a, um, a grant to do mindfulness with teachers and we do the three deep breaths. And it always amazes me when the teachers are like, wow, that makes such a big difference. And it literally is 20 seconds. And it's, you can do it anywhere. And that's one thing that we always talk to people about is just close your eyes and really concentrate on your breath, do a deep belly breath and feel the difference, which is, uh, it's so easy to do. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So as an organization, we work a lot with parents and teens to provide resources and education. What would you say to a parent looking to help their child establish a mindfulness practice? Hmm. So it definitely depends on the age. Probably early elementary and younger 
what we might do is play certain games with them. So I Spy is actually a great mindfulness game. So notice the things you see around you. Notice all five senses. So what are some, what's something you hear? What's something you smell? What's something you taste, feel, et cetera? Using the senses, using what you see to bring you into the present moment. Or you might say, we're going to go for this walk and we're going to notice 10 red things, right? So it's starting to notice what's happening in the present moment. You might also have them focus on an object outside of the body. So let's watch this point on the wall for 60 seconds. And every time your eyes wander, we're going to come back to that point. So that's really good for early, I would say like third grade and under, depending on the child and the level of um, readiness for these techniques. And then older than that, you can start to have them actually look inward. I would first start with different breath techniques. And Nancy, you already used one as an example. So just three um, deep breaths. You can Google diaphragmatic breathing. Teaching your kids to do that is great. Progressive muscle relaxation is another amazing technique to use, to use with kids. And then I would say start small. So 60 seconds, maybe you go up to two minutes after a few weeks. Um, make it part of the family routine. So it's, you know, I, I, my husband, for example, I can tell him, you really should meditate, right? But he's not going to do it by himself. He doesn't know how, right? So we make it part of our routine. I'm going to go meditate. Do you want to come with me? So make it part of the family routine. If kids see their parents doing it, it becomes part of the norm for everyone in the family to do it. And then I'd also say just be kind to yourself. So we're not used to sitting still in silence with ourselves. This can be a really difficult thing to start. So that's why I always tell people start small, be kind to yourself, ease into it. If you skip a day or two, don't quit, come back to it. And then another really cool technique that I tell people is try habit chunking. So find a technique that your kids do every single morning, so maybe they brush their teeth, and then put this on the beginning or end of that existing habit. So, okay, we know you brush your teeth every morning, we're gonna try this breathing technique for 60 seconds right after that. So it becomes part of your morning routine, and that's a little bit easier um, when you're trying to start new habits. Okay. That's awesome. I, I think that it's, uh, I, I really agree with the, the, as a family, having the practice is so important, especially when they're young. Um, it's just something that they do. It's part of the routine. And um, as they age, it starts to, they build on what, the, what they've already learned as a, as a young child. So thinking about that, um, when you're working with teenagers, how does that look different? I know we do a lot of work with high school and college kids and a lot of times they're very resistant. They make fun of it. They laugh. Um, they don't take it seriously. So how do you work with that age group to get them to start a practice? So we have to figure out what the individual motivators are for that kid. So for someone who plays as a competitive swimmer, for example, we might be able to say this is going to help you. And there's research to show this, that this is going to help you focus better while you're swimming. It could help you perform better as a swimmer. Um, you, you might help find a kid who's very academically driven. So this can help you focus better on school. So I think it's finding the individual motivators for that specific kid and then finding the research that backs that up, that this technique can help with whatever they're trying to achieve. And then that becomes their intention, their why. So they're doing this practice because they want to focus better on swimming. They want to be a better swimmer. But then guess what? They get all the other benefits too, but it doesn't matter that their intention is because they want to be a better swimmer. And that's great because that brings them to the practice. Um, I also would really say, this is for all ages and including adults, don't try and start these practices when you're extremely stressed and overwhelmed. Start when you're calm. So find a time when you're calm and then learn the practices in a place of calm, safety at your home, et cetera, because it's the same thing. I, I have a client right now 
And he said, I tried to use that breath technique with my seven-year-old when he was throwing a temper tantrum. And I said, well, did you teach him the breath techniques before he, was this the first time you introduced the techniques? And he said, yeah. I said, well, you can't, the kid's already gone, right? You can't teach him breath techniques when he's throwing a temper tantrum. So for all of us, adults included, and teenagers, to answer your question, practice these when you're calm. Find your individual motivator. Why do you want to learn these techniques? Remind yourself of that every single day. And then when you are in a place of stress, your mind will say, oh, I remember how to do this. Um, you trained me how to do this when we were calm. We did some work last year with sports, a basketball team. It was a bunch of uh, pretty much freshman boys. Um, they came into the space and they were rolling their eyes and laughing and carrying on. Um, and we used LeBron James and we used Steph Curry videos and they're like oh well those are people that we really look up to and we're like yeah they use it all the time like watch lebron on the bench when he when he's having a very stressful period he'll sit down and he'll breathe and then he'll go back into the game and do his magic um and it really it really resonates with them so i think just uh is is mindfulness has grown in popularity i think that a lot of people michael phelps is also talks about it quite a bit it, it really is helpful for him so finding those things that that resonate with kids, I think is so important as well. Mm, definitely, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, you're right, a lot of athletes are using it. There was just an article from a player and the, uh, he's a professional baseball player. And he was saying, basically, if you're an athlete that's not practicing this, like shame on you, this is a competitive edge at this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing too is like practicing it when you're calm before and like introducing it, but what's interesting too is even though I've introduced it to the boys and I need, you know, we're all, as you said, giving ourselves grace to practice more and get it into our routine. Um, but when they're like really, really upset and I'm like, all right, remember what does Daniel Tiger tell us to do? And they're like, I don't want to do my breathing. <laughs> and it's just like so funny because they know it, they practice it. Uh -huh. and they're like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> So what I always tell people in that situation, Erin, is what's great is that you can still practice it in that moment, and that will impact the situation. So we know from research, emotions are contagious. Mm -hmm. It's the reason that we all went out and bought 75 rolls of toilet paper when we only needed five during COVID, because anxiety is contagious. Fear is contagious. Anger is contagious, but so is calm. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, when your kids are freaking out, if we freak out in response, it's only going to amplify the situation. But if your kids are saying, I'm not doing that Daniel Tiger junk, right? But you say, okay, well, I'm going to still practice it. Your calm will eventually impact them and bring them down. So in any situation, even a professional setting, you might be practicing mindfulness. The person you're talking to isn't. That's okay. If you keep practicing, it'll eventually help the situation. Totally. And that has happened in like, you know, when I'm on like having a good day, right. And I can also be calm. Like if I'm hugging them, trying to help them calm down, I, and I'm doing the breathing, they slowly start to mimic mm -hmm. and feel it. Cause again, I'm the parents, I can hug them like that. Um, outside. in the professional setting, obviously not as easy, but just them being able to like feel my breath and like using your hand up and down their back totally like regulates their whole system, mm -hmm. um, and does bring them down. Um, which is, a fantastic parenting resource <laughs> or tip or trick. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Um, and I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought up the whole like buy, panic buying toilet paper during the COVID situation. That leads really well into something else we wanted to talk about, which is 
obviously like right now is a very stressful and traumatic time for a lot of people with the whole COVID pandemic and kind of like piling on top the racial injustices and kind of like fear in the United States uh, that are being highlighted right now. With all of that kind of in the air and on people's minds, what what can someone do to take care of themselves at this time? Yeah, that's a fantastic point. So a few things. One, our brains hate uncertainty. We're actually wired to like certainty so much that we would rather know a negative outcome sooner than wait for a positive one. So right now there's so much uncertainty that our brains are kind of freaking out. And we're operating from the limbic system, which is the part of our brain that's designed to protect us. So what we can do is note that, okay, that's where I'm operating out of, and do things to nurture ourselves. And that might look different for every single person. It might be a bubble bath, it might be deep breathing, it might be relaxation techniques, it might be going for a walk, it might be calling a friend, but really focusing on nurturing ourselves. And then I also think it's important to know mindfulness is a really, really impactful tool. Breath is extremely impactful. They're not the end-all be-all. So for those of us or for individuals who are experiencing high levels of trauma right now, that requires a mental health professional. So of course, these techniques can help and augment treatment. But for individuals who are experiencing real trauma and real mental illness, Obviously, these techniques are a band-aid for a gaping wound, and that individual needs to see a professional. But on a universal collective level, for those that aren't at the point of treatment and just want to take care of themselves, I really recommend Yoga Nidra, N-I-D-R-A. It's a great practice. You can Google it. My favorite teacher is Rod Stryker. He has one free one up on YouTube, or you can find him on Yoga International, which is $14 a month. And it's a great practice to rest and reset and just rejuvenate the body. So if you're feeling like a lot of us are emotionally frazzled, physically frazzled, just exhausted, that's a great technique. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes to do. You can do it before bed. You could do it in the middle of the afternoon. Um, And there's some strong research to support that it really helps us reset and heal the body. So I think also it's just really important. And I love your question because it's just important to note that it's important to take care of ourselves right now. Like this is really, really heavy for all of us across the nation for a number of reasons. 2020 has been a really hard year. Um, So it's really important to focus on our mental health, to take care of our mental health. And again, that's going to be, that's going to look different for every single person. Thank you so much. That's a very helpful answer for a difficult question. And I, I believe breath, I'll preach this all day. There's a new book called Breath, actually, and I'm blanking on the author, but it's really good. It's just called Breath. Um, But it's, I believe breath is our most underutilized, most underutilized tool that we have. We aren't taught to breathe effectively. And there's so many different breath techniques we can use to decrease energy, to heal the body, to increase energy. So I really encourage people, Google diaphragmatic breathing practice that deep breathing that's really going to help in the moment of emotional overwhelm and then to just calm the nervous system when you're feeling burnt out. That's great advice. I think that um, all of us during this time, it's so important that we take care of ourselves, that we're conscious of it, that we make it a priority. And I think that so many people are feeling overwhelmed right now that that's not, they haven't made it a priority. And collectively, if we were all doing it, we could bring down this anxiety level across the country and we would all be better off. (laughs) Right. Exactly. 
All right, is there anything that we missed that you'd want to talk about? Um, I think one of the things that I'm loving right now with mindfulness is its ability to increase empathy. When I'm working with some of the businesses I work with in the community right now, we're talking about mindful communication and how we can practice mindful listening. Um, and mindful listening is actually hearing people, not um, listening, quote unquote, and thinking about what you're going to say or zoning out or multitasking, whatever it is. It's actually listening and then practicing curiosity instead of non-judgment. So there's seven principles of mindfulness. Non-judgment is one of them. And the way we can use it with communication is to ask ourselves, okay, where can I practice? Where can I ask questions instead of make statements? So if I, for example, walk into the office and Kayla's not wearing a mask, my immediate judgment might be, Kayla's a selfish person. I can't believe she's not wearing a mask. She doesn't care about me or anyone else. And in that situation where I might use mindfulness is to, instead of judging her, ask the question. So I might say, I wonder if Kayla's anxious about wearing a mask. Maybe she has a respiratory condition, or I wonder what else is going on here. And actually having a direct communication with her about it, so maybe even asking her the questions. But I would really encourage individuals to Google mindful listening, see if you can practice some of the techniques um, that are online. Mindful.org and Greater Good Science Center both have techniques you can use and practice with your friends, your family. Um, and ask yourself, where can I bring this idea of curiosity? Where can I ask questions instead of making statements? And where can I start to see others' perspectives, even if I a thousand percent know that I'm not going to agree with that person? And I think this tenant, this aspect of mindfulness is really crucial for our country right now. So where can I bring curiosity instead of judgment? And where can I actually really listen to people instead of just pretending and waiting for my turn to talk? It's amazing when we, uh, we did a, a mindful listening, I guess, project with some youth. And that was one thing that they said, adults don't ever listen to us. They think that they have all the answers and that when we, when we tell them our opinion, they're not listening to us. And so they created a whole program around mindful listening. And it's, a, it's amazing the difference that it makes in a situation. I'm an introvert. And so it's something that I do all the time. And I, I don't speak very often. And a lot of times you get mis, misread because of that, because people don't think you're actually paying attention, but actually I'm paying more attention than anybody else in the space. And I can really connect with people that way. So I know how, how useful that is to, to actually listen to what people are saying and not, as you said, not trying to think about what I'm going to say next. When I teach these techniques to parents of teenagers specifically, we talk about how one of the aspects of mindful listening that's crucial is not trying to fix it for people. So actually just listening to the problem without saying, here's the solution. And that can be really hard for us, especially Nancy, as you said, for adults with youth. So we think we know we want to fix it, but we don't, we're not in their shoes. So where can we actually really listen with curiosity um, instead of saying, here's a solution, we're done, because that shuts people down. So that's another little helpful trick. I'm not going to try and fix it. And I'm actually just going to hear what the person's saying. You empower people so much when you do that. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's finally like, you actually understand what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I'm not you. I have my own opinions. I have my own, um, my own situation. And um, thank you for letting me that opportunity to let me express that to you. And a lot of times we just want to be heard. We don't want a solution from someone. We're going to come to come up with our own solution. That's best for us, right? We just want someone to listen to us and hear us. Right, exactly. 
So Meriden, thank you for being with us today and imparting all of your amazing knowledge about mindfulness and how to incorporate the practices into everyday life. Um, as we move forward, especially at this time, that's so valuable for everyone. And we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, it was a pleasure to be here with you all. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about this episode, you can check out our show notes and access additional information on our website at 1n5.org. We ask that you please subscribe, rate, write a review, or share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested in hearing more about how we're changing the mental health landscape. Again, I'm Nancy. And I'm Kayla. And we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our conversation on the power of mindfulness. We'll be talking with Elena, the program manager at MindPeace, who oversees the MindPeace rooms at various Cincinnati schools. Elena will talk about the importance of providing a safe space for student de-escalation and social-emotional learning. See you then.